There's the fanfare. That means it's time for our weekly trip to the movies with our in-house reviewer, Matt Oline. Matt, welcome back to Main Street. What a big week. Oh, big week, Craig. Yes, big one. One of my favorite weeks of the year, Oscar nominations. I'll, I'll bet that it is, Matt. And before we start mm-hmm. talking about your thoughts, and boy, do you have some thoughts this year. Let's talk about the movie you'd like to review. It's called The Zone of Interest. It's a historical, dramatic movie set around the Auschwitz concentration camp during World War II. And as I contemplate the movie, it seemed to me, yes, this must have had to have happened because, yes, people lived around the camp. Yeah, so this is based on a historical novel by Martin Amos that was written in 2014. Jonathan Glazer has adapted it. Glazer is a British director who received an Oscar nomination for Breast Director this week. So this is a multiple nominated film. It's up for Best Picture as well. And so a perfect time to talk about this movie. I will say it, it premieres at the Fargo Theater February 2nd. So people, most people have not seen this movie. I did get an advanced screener back in December. Liked it, didn't love it. Uh, I think the design of the film is what everyone's talking about. So Rudolf Haas, who was the commandant at Auschwitz, and his wife, played by Sandra Huller, Oscar nominee for Anatomy of a Fall. She's in this movie, too. Their kids, they all live right by Auschwitz. He, he's the guy. He's the CEO of Auschwitz, which is you know a ridiculous thing to say, but that's basically what he was. And they live in this wonderful villa. It's, it's a nice house. They have parties. They have birthday parties for the kids. And all through this movie, these kind of daily activities are going on. And you can hear in the distance the gas chambers, machines, screams. You never see it. You only hear it. So that's the trick of the movie. You know, we've seen lots of Holocaust movies over the years. This one's not going to show it to you. They're going to show that banality of evil, you know, which is the phrase to describe Adolf Eichmann. And how was that in its historical context, Matt? How did you feel when you were taking that in? So initially, I thought this is a really good narrative trick. But as the film wore on, I do think the impact of the movie was dulled a little bit because we never see anything. The, the most we see is one of the girls who's like a servant for the Haas family. She will steal food in the middle of the night and get it to her fellow Jews who are starving, of course. So that's that's the closest we get really to getting inside the camp is this, this servant girl who's, you know, fortunate. I use the word fortunate in quotation marks sure. to work for the Haas family who steals food. So... I think I would have liked maybe one or two scenes of something showing, and maybe maybe that's on me because the sound design of this movie is phenomenal, and it is up for the best sound Oscar. The sound is the movie. I mean, every sound you hear, you're wondering, what was that that I heard? And your mind starts working. It's an imaginative film. Glazer's a good director. He directed Under the Skin, Sexy Beast with Ben Kingsley years ago. And he's certainly deserving of this of this directing nomination. But I do think that the impact of the film is dulled a little bit because we never see anything. We know what happened at Auschwitz. Here's the crazy thing, Craig. Haas, after a day's work, he'll come home. You know, he comes in, he greets his wife, and you half expect and almost leave it to Beaver, honey, how was your day? I mean, that's how the film is played. It's played like this is his job. He comes home, and you half expect Sandra Huller to say, oh, may I take your hat and coat? Supper's on the table. Mm. Like you're watching Father Knows Best or Leave it to Beaver. And I think that's the point Glazer's making, is these men who were so evil and so awful, they were almost like 
planners. They were like engineers. They were accountants. They were businessmen. And that's where that banality of evil comes in, that phrase that was used. They were death makers. And then there's later in the film, there's this meeting where, you know, the war is not going well. And they're concerned the Allies are going to discover all this, which we did, us and the Brits and the Russians. And they have this gigantic meeting. And it feels like you're at a board meeting. If you, you know, it feels like you're at some corporate board meeting where they're discussing, okay, let's do this with this camp. And I'll be, I'll be back at Auschwitz, Haas, Rudolf Haas, who later was executed at, at, after the Nuremberg trials. People can look that up. And it's all done so clinically and so technical that these men didn't think anything of it. This was their job to do. And he, you know, Haas gets rewarded by the high command because he's so good at his job. And he, he had all these new techniques and these techniques to to kill people at a, at a quicker level. I mean, it's just, it's horrible to talk about, but the way they approach their jobs, they could be like businessmen in downtown Fargo. That's mm. how it's approached. And that's the point of the film. So I like the film. I like that whole sound design, but I think the point was dulled just a little bit because we never get inside Auschwitz. You know, the only Jewish people we see, the main one is the servant girl. Uh, Christian Friedel, very good as Rudolf Haas. Sandra Huller, as I mentioned, plays his wife. A variety of other characters. So the cinematography is great. The sound design is great. I think the impact for me was dulled slightly. I have a history professor friend who did not like the book. And I have not read it, so I can't comment. He did not like the book at all. So he's not looking forward to seeing this movie. I would encourage people to see it. Just be aware that it's all going to be sound and it's all going to be in your mind. Of course, the world learned who the Oscar nominees are. You have thoughts about a lot of stuff relative to the Oscars, Matt. What are you thinking? So Oppenheimer's clearly the favorite. Clearly the favorite to win Best Director. Christopher Nolan, I think, is going to win Best Director. I think it's going to win, you know, it's going to win editing and and maybe sound or zone of interest possibly could win sound. You know, editing, uh, there's so many awards Oppenheimer, I think, is, is in line to win. Best actor, we'll have to see. Killian Murphy, Long Long was the favorite. I'm starting to feel the Paul Giamatti love for the holdovers. He could pull off the victory. But I think what people are talking about is it's Oppenheimer, it's Poor Things, it's Barbie. But much of the talk was how Greta Gerwig did not get a directing nomination for Barbie. Broader than that, Snub Against Women Again has been the talk today. Well, Justine Triet was nominated for Best Director for Anatomy of a Fall. She's a French film director. I think Gerwig should have been nominated. I don't I don't know that Oscar voters, when they hand in their ballots, are that conscious of, ooh, I'm gonna snub a woman today. I don't I don't know that that's going on. I had this chat with some friends of mine. They try to vote for the five they think are the best. But I think because of the significance of Barbie, how much money it made, it made Oppenheimer, you know, that weekend. It really helped at the box office. I think the whole design of the movie Barbie has to be credited to Greta Gerwig. So for her not to be nominated, I would have kicked out Scorsese for, I think, the overrated Killers of the Flower Moon or Jonathan Glazer for the Zone of Interest. I'd have put Alexander Payne in there for the holdovers and taken those two out. So I think Alexander Payne was snubbed as well. But yes, I hear the blowback, and it it certainly Gerwig was nominated for the script. And then Margot Robbie, not nominated for Best Actress, that got a lot of talk too. What I will say about that is the Best Actress category is extremely competitive this year. And I have not seen Nyad with Annette Bening, so I cannot comment, A, should Robbie be nominated, Annette Bening kicked out. I'm going to review Nyad in a couple weeks. It's on Netflix. Then I'll be able to comment better on that. I think the Gerwig snub 
is far worse than the Margot Robbie snub. It's my thought. The Robbie thing, I can see her not getting in the five. You know, that's a semantics thing about performance. Is she typecast as Barbie? I think all these things come into play when voters have this very subjective job to select the best in quotation marks. I learned today, Matt, that actors vote for actors. They do. Directors Vote for directors. It's just not like this king-making board that's sitting no, there. No. That's it, interesting to It me. is not, Craig. And now when they get to the final vote, your production designers will be able to vote for best actress, and your actors will be able to vote for sound and production design. But yes, so the Margot Robbie, if we want to call it a snub, and I'm not sure I'm going to call it that, I will call the Gerwig directing a snub. The best actress people were nominated by actors in the business, actors and actresses. So... If you're going to blame anybody, blame the actors and actresses in the industry. And the directors nominated the directors. Now, the directors, this is probably two, 300 people is all of, of, of those 6,000 Academy members, maybe more than that for the directors, maybe five, 600. So that's a small group that's nominating for directors. I'm not sure what they saw. I'm sure Gerwig was sixth place. If I could look at that voting, mm-hmm. I'm sure she was sixth. But that's that's the one people are going to talk about. But I think Barbie's going to win Best Song for the Eilish siblings. Well, Billie Eilish and her brother Phineas O'Connell. I think it's going to win Production Design. I think it's going to win Costumes as well. Ryan Gosling might win Supporting Actor. It's him versus Robert Downey, I think, in that category. I think Lily Gladstone's the favorite now to win Best Actress, although Sandra Huller is amazing in Anatomy of a Fall. And Emma Stone, as I've said to you, just knocks it out of the park and poor things. Supporting actress, I think it's going to be Divine Joy Randolph winning for The Holdovers, which is a wonderful movie if people have not seen it, and that's back in theaters this weekend. And Oppenheimer's your pick for Best Picture. Oh, I, I think it's a, I think it's a lock, absolute lock to win Best Picture. 13 nominations. Matt, you have a memory you want to share with us. Yeah, director Norman Jewison died this week, uh, born in Canada. He was one of the last of the big film directors from the 60s and 70s. Uh, He was 97 years old, did not win the Academy Award, but was nominated three times for In the Heat of the Night, 1967, Fiddler on the Roof, 1971, and Moonstruck, his most popular film, 1987. He did get the Thalberg Oscar, which is for producing. I also love The Thomas Crown Affair. He He directed the original with Steve McQueen, much better than the Pierce Brosnan remake. And he directed McQueen also, his buddy McQueen in The Cincinnati Kid, which did for poker what The Hustler did for pool. I always say that. So very good craftsman-like director. Uh, In the Heat of the Night remains an important movie in the late 60s. We have a black man and a white man working together in the South, Rod Steiger, Sidney Poitier, to solve that murder. And it it became a touchstone film of that time. Matt, I'm going to handle trivia just okay. a little bit differently this week, and it goes along the lines of what I knew we were going to talk about relative to the Oscars. Mm-hmm. Totally subjective here, Matt. All right. <laughs> Who's your biggest Oscar snub of all time? Glenn Close not winning Best Actress for Fatal Attraction. We've been to the movies with Matt O'Lean. More Main Street is on your menu. Stay with us.